Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today, it's my pleasure to have with me again, Rick Hamilton. It's great to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, too. Rick, I just love your pieces. I mean, I think I would, I, if I had another house, I would just have a whole house full of Rick Hamilton pieces. Like the people just, the, the, the pieces make me happy. Oh, that's great to hear. Thank you. I think that's an excellent idea too, by the way. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'll work on that with my husband, Kevin, and Perfect. we'll see what we could do. All right. Build the whole house just for Rick Hamilton's. But let's start with talking about the piece that's right behind us. This is one that I literally just finished maybe an hour or so ago. Uh, it's probably still wet with paint. Um, I've been painting a lot of, of uh, lobstermen lately, and I've, well, I've done that for a, year, a couple of years, but I've recently started adding more of the, lo- the actual lobsters into the paintings too. Yeah. And what's fun about this too is I think people who live in Maine or have seen actual live lobsters know that lobsters are not red. Correct. Until they are dead. And in this case, you actually have a live lobster. Mm-hmm. It's blue. But not everybody would know that, that that they are closer to a bluish kind of darkish blue shade. Yeah, that's true. And I have been called out on that, actually, because mostly when I paint the lobsters, I paint them red. And people will say, how can he, hold the, how can he be holding a boiling lobster? So do you say, well, he's obviously at a lobster bake. I say nothing. Okay. Yeah. You just say, listen, like- this is art. We're going to let you just use your own interpretations. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I actually really enjoy this. And also, I can smell the paint, so um, mm-hmm. that makes me realize how fresh this really is, like right, right, off the, uh, right off the easel. Where is the cat? Well, uh, do you want me to tell you, or do you want I to try to I couldn't find the last one. That's the thing. I mean, it, li- it literally, like, bothered me. I would go by the last time the painting that we talked about. You said there's a cat in there, and I, I would keep going by, keep going by. Could not ever find it. Let me let me look for just a second here. Yeah. All right. Tell you what. Okay. I, I'm not going to ask you to show me now because I'm going to want people to actually go to the gallery or go online to find this painting and see if they can find it. But before you leave today, I'm going to ask you to show me the cat because yeah. otherwise <laughs> it's going to keep bothering me and maybe my 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 eyes just aren't as uh yeah yeah but this is still a motif that you use it is yeah yeah i think it started i'm going to guess maybe six years ago i did a painting of it was a man playing guitar and i imagined him in like a port of italy or spain and there were some sailboats in the background and in the foreground was some bigger cats and it was called serenading the cats and this guy was playing guitar to these feral cats and somehow from that i developed uh, this idea that i'd hide a little kitty in every painting and do you actually have cats yourself no i no cats no i don't mind them but i'm slightly allergic to them so i can't i couldn't have a cat so you are using these cats as a hypoallergenic means of bringing them into your life. That's exactly what it is. So it's also perfect for anybody else out there who is allergic to cats. If you would like a cat, just buy a Rick Hamilton painting and you will have a cat in your home. Whether you'll be able to actually find the cat or not, I don't really know, but I will make assumptions that other people don't have the kind of brain that one needs. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, all right. You are doing interesting things these days, one of which is on-site painting in pretty large format. 
Tell me about the most recent experience you had with this. All right. That was actually in the gallery, in Portland Art Gallery. And it was a painting that was six foot by 10 foot, which is now the biggest painting I've ever done, either in studio or or anywhere, actually. So uh, that's my biggest one. And uh, it really came about uh, in such an organic way with Kevin and I talking about some ideas that we, that we could throw out, uh, you know, just to shake things up a little bit. And Kevin had the idea of maybe you could just sit, do a gallery sitting, and we could have some of your paintings out and just talk to clients on a, maybe on a Saturday afternoon. And I said, it's a great idea. And then I thought about the idea of, if I'm going to do that, maybe I can just paint a painting there. And he loved that idea. And then later in the day, th- this was, this all was started on a Monday. Okay, later in the day, he called me and said, "There's an there's an opportunity for a big painting at the store Aristel, r- right around the corner from the gallery. And would you be interested in putting a, pa- a big painting in there?" I said, "I'd love to do that." And then I think late towards the end of that day, we're still on Monday now. He said. How about this? Why don't you paint that big painting in the gallery? I said, "That's a, I love it. So it just happened so quick and, um, and organically that it, that it was, really, it was really special. And then on Tuesday, now, now we're on Tuesday, okay? Um, he said, how quick can you have, I, had to, I would have had to build the canvas myself. He said, how quick could you have it ready? And I said, oh, maybe a week. Now we're on Tuesday. He said, how about you bring it to the gallery Thursday morning and you start then? I said, sure. So I scrambled and I found a carpenter buddy and we built it on Wednesday and drove it to the gallery Thursday morning. And I started maybe half an hour after we got in there. And how long did it take you to finish that piece? The piece was, uh, it was four days. Uh, there was a little bit of sitting around and a little bit of talking with, with the uh, clients that came in, but it, but it was four days of painting. How did people respond? Most of the time when you walk into an art gallery, you you know, you're kind of you're kind of taking a look at things on the wall and wondering how it might look in your living room. And here you are, a real live artist doing a real live painting in the middle of all of this and really bringing art to life. Mm. Yeah, it was it was slow to start because I think people would come in the gallery and when they would come into the second room where I was painting, uh they would pause because they would feel that they were interrupting something. And they, they weren't sure if they could, should come in. Even though there were signs up saying, go see the artist and talk to him, people were just a little bit worried that they would be interrupting me. So what I did is uh, the first morning I wrote, I painted on the, on, on the canvas itself. I said, please talk to the artist. And people would see that and they'd giggle and then that would make them come in a little bit and, uh, and, and open up. Do I understand that there were some children that were intrigued by the work you were doing? Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, so I had this plan when we started that I might have people write on the back of the canvas, maybe their name or where they're from, just to indicate that that they were there and part of the process. Um, but I decided against that because I had this vision of maybe the pencil poking through the canvas. I said, ah, that's probably not a good idea. But I think the first group of visitors that we had, um, there were two or three adults and maybe two or three kids. And they, we, we were just talking about the process a little bit. All I, all I had done at this point was throw some 
colors on the canvas just to get a feel for how it was going to operate and that's and, and stuff like that. But uh, one of the little girls said to her mom after we talked for maybe 15 minutes, she said, Mom, I, I really want to go home and paint now. And I thought, paint on this canvas. So I grabbed the brush and I said, and I think I grabbed the color yellow, the jar of yellow. I said, paint on this. And she started painting on the canvas. Wow. Yeah. So this could be a future fellow artist yep. that you have just initiated the career of. Yeah. That's kind of a nice feeling, isn't it? It's a, it was amazing. And to bring this whole story around, I, I realized that not a, maybe I inspired a fellow artist and also I was inspired. The reason why I painted for the very first time was a 10-year-old girl on Munjoy Hill was painting outside our apartment. And I asked her what she was doing, and she said, I'm just painting. Do you want to paint with me? And I said, sure. So I painted, and that's what spurned, uh, what brought on the love of painting for me. It is interesting how the world is kind of, it brings things back around. It really does, yeah. Rick, I know a lot of the pieces that you've painted are focused on kind of coastal Mediterranean scenes. Um, and I've also seen that you have evolved your work to include scenes that are closer to home. Is this something that um, kind of you were inspired by the fact that we live in Maine, you're going to start doing this now? Is there something else that kind of kicked this off for you? Well... I do. I love Maine, and I love all the scenes in Maine, and I get to see the ocean every day in Maine. Um, and I've always wanted to paint scenes of Maine. I just, there's a certain, I don't know about stubbornness that I have, where I just have to feel that the time is right for me, and I can't, I, I just can't force it to happen. And this past couple of years, I guess the time was just right for me to start doing it. And was it in any way related to having to kind of hunker down a little bit more as a result of the pandemic? Or was it just something that you can't even describe, just that caused you to move in that direction? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. It's something I really can't describe. I, I don't think that the pandemic had a lot of influence on my art. If, if it had any influence, I think it made it a little brighter and happier. So almost as a response to the pandemic, you kind of went in the other direction. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe I did. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. So when you're thinking about a piece, just let's let's look at this piece behind us. What is this one called? This one call, is called Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me. Okay, well, that yeah. makes sense because yeah. that's what it says on the sleeve. Yeah, is, is catch. Yes, good. That's, that's very good branding on your part, mm -hmm. Rick. So um, Tell me about what got you to the place where you said, oh, I think I'm going to do this piece. It's going to have three people who are lobster people, because I don't know whether they're male or female, possibly male, hard to say. But what, what caused you to start painting this piece when you did? There's something about, with the Lobsterman series all started with, with the idea of these orange overalls. I, I just love this orange color. And there's something about the... the that orange on their overalls that really attracted me to, to the painting of, of, uh, of to start painting the lobsterman. And um, I was a lobsterman for a short time. I don't know if that had a lot of effect, of effect or inspiration on me, but maybe it did. Um, I only lasted about two weeks. That is not my thing. No, why not? It's way too hard of work. It's too hard. Um, but so... 
I'm not exa- I'm not exactly sure what started the inspiration f- for the lobsterman, but um, I really just love painting the orange, and it gives me a really good excuse to do that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, how did you get into being a lobsterman, and then how did you decide? Oh, nope, two weeks, that's enough. Yeah, well, I've done I've had a tons of different careers before I was an artist, um, and that was just one of the many things that I tried doing. Yeah. And uh, apparently all of them are easier than being a lobsterman. That was one of the toughest. Yep. Yep. That was one of the toughest ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm always impressed where we live because many people stop pulling traps and then, you know, they only do it again in the summertime. But there are a fair number of people who are pulling traps as long and late into the season as they possibly can. And kind of a, as soon as the temperature lifts a little bit and we're far enough into the spring, they're back out there again and they're out there every morning. And I mean, you're just exposed to all the elements. So yeah, it, it is a lot of very hard work, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting that you are... Um, you're, I guess, shining a light on these people that do this very hard work, which probably they wouldn't be able to have the time in their lives to paint about, paint themselves. True, yeah. And there's something about people that really work hard and are dedicated to something like that. Even like you talk about the, these these people that do this during the winter. Like that's got it. That seems so intense to me. But they every day they're out there doing it. And I paint a lot of lobstermen and I paint a lot of dancers and I'm really impressed with the, the work ethic that a dancer has. And that all started when I, was, I did a, uh, a draw a dancer um, session where a dancer would come in and do poses and we would, we would just draw her. And I think the final pose she did was 20 minutes of just in one position. And I was just blown away. And the more I looked into it, I realized like these dancers work so hard to at their art and their craft. And it really impressed me. And that translated into me uh, doing a series on dancers too. That's very interesting. What is it about the, this work ethic that somehow appeals to you? I don't know. I, I do. Sometimes I say I'm, I'm a lazy person, but in actuality, like I've been, I've done careers that have been really hard work and, and I've succeeded at them. Um, so I do have a really good work ethic and I bring that into the studio um, even though painting is not a physically uh, tough job for me, but I, I, I'm in the studio for a long, long time. Uh, so I, I bring that work, work ethic into the studio. Well, and even what you're describing as far as the process of getting you to the place where you were painting in the Portland Art Gallery, your willingness to kind of turn on a dime and say, yep, this I'm happy to do it. I know this is part of you know, putting my work out there, let's figure out a way to do it, work with my carpenter friend, create what I need to in order to make the logistics work. I mean, I think that that speaks to that, that willingness to put yourself out there and the understanding that being an artist, is, it requires quite a bit of effort. Mm, true. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And I think maybe my willingness to do that could stem from the work history that I've had. I don't. I didn't come into art in a traditional way. Um, I never went to art school or, or had any training. Um, so maybe uh, that work ethic speaks to my willingness to say yes and try new things. Yeah, and if you've had to kind of teach yourself and be flexible along the way and have all these various different jobs, you're probably continually putting yourself in a space of learning and figuring things out and giving yourself the, the time to 
figure things out. I think a lot of people, uh, they, they just want to be really good at something and they want to be really good at something right away. Mm. And then when they aren't, um, and maybe I'm speaking of myself actually, but, but then when they aren't, you know, it's easy to get discouraged and go, well, I wasn't good at that right away. So I'm just not going to do it anymore. Mm. But what you're describing is sort of this beginner's mind that is often spoken about, but also persistence. True. Yeah. So as you're working on something like this, um, do you, is there a is there a waiting for the paint to dry, put the next layer on, waiting for the paint to dry, put the next layer on? Tell me a little bit about your process. Yeah, there is. And I'm very impatient, especially when I paint. So if I put down a layer of orange and I need it to dry quicker, I'll, I'll hit it with a heat gun because I don't even want to wait long enough for the paint to dry naturally. And if I'll lay down a red and I just say, mm, that's just not the right red for this painting, again, I'll, I'll hit it with a heat gun and then go over it with what I, whatever I think it should, would, should uh, cover it. Isn't that dangerous? I mean, isn't there the possibility you're putting heat on a flammable sure. <laughs> substance yes. Yes. on top of something that also, like a canvas, I feel like that could actually burst into flame itself. Yeah, I have. There has been times where I've held the heat gun on a little bit too much, and I see the smoke coming from the back of the canvas, and that's pretty much the end of, of that canvas. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Sometimes, I don't know if you can see on this particular one, but if I hold the heat gun a little bit too long on it, the paint will start to bubble. And I really love that effect, especially after I sand over it, because that whatever's underneath that bubbling, once I sand, will come out. So there could be specks of whatever is underneath. That's a fascinating observation, that getting yourself that close to the edge of destruction can somehow yield things that are unexpectedly wonderful. Yeah. Uh, there's another piece that you brought in today that will show... Um, will show for people who are watching on online. Um, and this is a main piece, and it also has words. It says, Maine, we love you. Mm -hmm. This this very much is, is about buildings, as opposed to this piece that we're looking at behind us, which is about people. Mm -hmm. Do you do a lot of buildings in your in the works that you do? I think I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with doing buildings. Um, again, I just I have to just get them... I'm not a perfectionist in the sense like I don't have to have a building look like it would in real life, but I just have to be comfortable with it enough within me to say, this is good and I can keep going with this. So you're, you're starting to put buildings in that you actually like and are willing to have out there in the world. Correct. Yeah. What about this large piece that was done for Aristotle? What, what was the subject matter of that? That was, uh, it's, on the line of dan of the dancers, yeah, and it was taken. There was a smaller piece that's at the gallery too, and that Ashley, the owner of Aristel, saw the painting, said, "I would, I love it. Let's do a bigger version of this." So, while I was in the gallery painting it, it kind of morphed a little bit into it was just five women in like retro style bathing suits, but then it morphed into chorus line dancers. And they put their ar their arms around each other, and each was kicking up a leg. So, does that happen also for you on a regular basis, where you you start with one idea and it kind of seems to move forward in a different direction over time? All the time, yep, yep. 
I did try, because Ashley saw the original painting, I kind of felt like I had to stick to that just a little bit. But if I was in my studio, that could have turned out to be lobstermen or buildings or a cow. There's, there's no telling. Each piece does move. Um, very rarely do I, will I sketch out a painting and have that be the finished product. It'll just move and I paint over things um, and make changes. You also do commissions for people. And I know the commissions can be a little tricky because you're trying to take what's in somebody else's mind and translate it for them onto the canvas, but in a way that also feels good to you. Mm -hmm. So tell me about some of the um, successes that you've had. Yeah. I look at it as a, at a commission as almost a collaboration. I'll take input from the client and then start with something and then I'll finish the painting and then send the picture to them. And oftentimes they might say, well, could it be more blue or less blue or whatever, or whatever they feel. And I'm very open to making changes because um, I really believe that the more time I spend on a canvas and the more changes I make to it, the better it will be. And so I'm very open to, to changes, as long as it's something that I'm comfortable with. So what would be an example of something that you're not comfortable with? Someone wanted me to do a painting of a, a person that was really large. And as you can see, like, my, the people are pretty skinny. And I don't think, there's nothing realistic about, like, someone could not have an arm that size with a body like that. It just, it, but it works in my paintings. So this person wanted a painting of someone that's really large. And I tried it a little bit, but I said, I, I just, I can't do it. Yeah, that's true. As I'm thinking about the works that I've seen you do, I'm, they, they don't have a lot of kind of, I guess, breadth to them. No. They are more vertical in nature. So I guess it would make sense that if you are kind of working in the style you normally work in, putting a completely different shape into the middle of a piece that you're doing probably would not feel great. Mm, true. So what about people who ask to do things like um, a combination of buildings and figures? Because I, I see that you have kind of on one side of us, we have the figures, and on another side of us, we have the buildings. I've seen a few of your pieces that have a little bit of both, mm. but they typically be, they're more like one or the other. Have you had successes with those? Uh, that's kind of a new thing for me. Like it's always been the, the figures are front and center, just popping out of the painting. Recently, I've been trying to do some things where maybe make the figure smaller and put them into a landscape or some sort of a scene. So that, so that is a new thing that I'm uh, working on. And what are the challenges associated with doing that? Just doing something that I'm not so comfortable with doing. It's very, like, this scene right here is very comfortable to me. And I can do it all. I love to do it. It's in, it's what I do. Putting, making the figures or the characters smaller and putting them in a scene is a little bit new. And that makes it a little uncomfortable for me. And why is that? Is it, is it because the perspective is different? The, the style is different? What is it that makes it uncomfortable? Uh, just because it, it's a new thing for me. Yeah. And I just have to, I, I'm, I just have to kind of get it, not exactly right, but just right enough for me. And it's just taken some time to get used to painting a smaller person. 
and how that fits into the into the painting. Well, and it's also interesting as I'm hearing you talk because again, it's not that you're against learning how to do new things. You're more than happy to learn how to do new things, but it doesn't mean that you love it. It means you're willing to go through the discomfort of trialing and erroring, I guess. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I got it's almost like when I when I do something new in painting, I'll have this it, it's it's a really roller coaster time in the studio. It'll start off with me thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be a great painting. This might be the best painting I've ever done." And then something won't go quite right in the painting, and then I go down the road of this is horrible. What am I doing? Rick, this isn't what you paint. You can't be doing this. And then something will shift. And then it'll go back to, wow, Rick, this is really good. This is going to be great. And then it just goes up and down like that. And if the painting lands where I think it will, it's just kind of a place where, okay, you're good on this one. Let's go to the next one. I actually really love hearing this because um, I, I do think that there are some people who are just very even keeled all the time. And then there are some people in their work that definitely go from one extreme to the next. And it can be very disconcerting to be one of those people. I happen to be one of those people um, more in my kind of my creative side than my professional medical side. Thank goodness for my patients. <laughs> but I think that it's, it's nice to hear that, you know, it's just not always possible to maintain balance and also be creative. It just takes a comfort with sometimes not feeling great, sometimes feeling really great. Mm. So when you are working with people that you're doing a commission with, are they typically people who bring you something and say, I would like you to paint a picture of my dog, or I need something that fits over my mantle? I mean, how does that usually come about? Uh, sometimes it is based on size, like, like, like to fit over a mantle. Usually not of... Um a certain thing, like not a dog or even a relative or, or usually not something like that. It's more of an idea like, ooh, I love the lobsterman. Could you do it with more pink in it? And then sometimes size does, does go into it. But I guess it's more based on color than subject. And given that many artists do not like commissions... Um, why do you think that you're so willing to try to make these things work? Well, I think because I've said many times that one of the main reasons I make art is to connect with people. And the connections that I've made through art are just, just mind-boggling to me. It's just amazing. So if I do a commission that promotes a conversation about art, that's, that's why I do it. So I, I just I love it. Which is also great because, again, and, and I'm not saying that they're a different one sort of artist is better than another sort of artist, but I do know that some artists are also fairly solitary. It's actually very uncomfortable with them to inter for them to interact with the public. But I know that you happen to be quite comfortable with people going to your studio, kind of visiting and seeing your creative process. And so the the kind of spectrum of people who engage in creative work has been very interesting to note as I've you know had conversations like this one. Mm. And for you, it, it almost sounds like bringing the art into it is is just kind of another part of the conversation. That's right. Yeah. It's just uh, maybe a spark to a conversation or a beginning. Do you have people who will send you photos after they've taken one of your pieces and put it in their home 
and and send it along to you and say, hey, this is where this this is where this landed. Mm, yeah, I love to see those photos. I do. I, I recently got a photo uh, of a painting that sold a few years ago, and the client just had a baby, and this little baby Crosby would just stare at my painting. And I, I think the I think Crosby was like a couple months, and he would just look at the painting. So you're you're creating conversations. You're even your age group is is moving downward. Yeah. We're like, we're talking like two or three months. Which I, I mean, I again, I think this is just wonderful because you're you're creating connections with little human beings that are they're pre-verbal even. That's right. And that, and that actually makes a lot of sense when I'm thinking about even some of the imagery that I have in my mind from when I was growing up. I mean, even before I had words to put around things, I can remember things that were um, in the rooms nearby. Do you ever use that type of imagery when you are working? I mean, pieces that are not necessarily, uh, subjects that aren't necessarily right in front of you, like a scene from Portland, but things that you have experienced previously in your life? I don't think consciously I do that, but I think that there's no way that my life experiences can't come into my work. I don't, but I don't make a conscious effort to bring those uh, experiences I had into the work, but they, they have to be there. Like the cats. Like the cats. Yeah. So tell me what you're excited about in the upcoming year as far as your art is concerned, or really anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just excited that, uh, that I'm part of Portland Art Gallery. I love to work with them, and we have a great uh, back-and-forth relationship. I want to try some new things. I'm, I'm starting to put some more abstract elements into my art. I'm... I'd like to make some purely abstract pieces. I have a little bit trouble with that because I get so attached to what is the story behind the painting that with the abstract art, I feel like I have to let that go a little bit. Um, but I'm excited to try some just pure abstract pieces. And what will those be related to? Because oh, they're abstract. Well, I'm just thinking some people, when they do their abstract pieces... They are thinking about landscape, for example, or seascape. But in your mind, that you haven't worked that out yet. All right, let me backtrack a little bit. I have just worked it out just a little bit. Like maybe I take these lobstermen and make them use these colors and shapes in an abstract piece. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So I have put a little bit of thought into it, not too much. Okay. Well, that'll give us something to talk about the next time you come back Absolutely. to be on the show. And I, I still cannot find the cat, Rick. And I, but I, but I, I'm going to make everybody, oh, not make, I'm, anybody else who would like to try to find the cat, we'll give them the opportunity to do that on their own with this piece, Catch Me If You Can, and any of your other pieces. And then after we get off the air, we will have, uh, we'll have our own conversation around this. Sounds good. So it doesn't torment me indefinitely. Deal. <laughs> I have enough other things that we... <laughs> I believe <laughs> Yes, right. All right. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation today, and um, I think... Again, I'm, I'm looking forward to having my own little Rick Hamilton house that's going to be filled with Rick Hamilton um, artistic pieces because I think you're right. It's, it is like having a story nearby because every time you walk by a piece that you've created, you're, you're putting yourself with the lobstermen or on the coast of France or one of these other places, and it's just a, it's a really wonderful place to exist in. Yeah, thank you. 
I've been speaking with artist Rick Hamilton, and I encourage you to go to the Portland Art Gallery to see his work or go online to see his work or show up and uh, meet him in person. Maybe he'll even give you a studio tour. So many different options. Go to Aristelle if you're looking to see what that eventually ended up looking like. But regardless of how you connect with Rick Hamilton, he's really a wonderful human being, so I encourage you to do so. I'm Dr. Lisa Belisle, and this is Radio Maine. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you.